Right, let's uh, just jump straight into this. Uh, I'm having a bit of a fight with myself at the minute, back and forth, about whether I do a cold opener or whether I jump straight into a, an opener. So the past few weeks, I've been trying different ones. So I'm not quite sure what's about to happen, but we'll we'll see what happens. <laughs> <laughs> always got to experiment. Always got to have fun with these things. Sure. Uh, all right, then I think yeah, we'll do it this way. Yo, how are you doing, folks? Welcome to episode 132. I can still do hand gestures because we're in low numbers right now, although many episodes are falling ever more every week, and we will crawl our way towards 420. That's my goal anyway. I don't know. That's probably like five years from now at the rate I'm going, but we'll keep trying. We'll keep trying. Uh, we're well and truly into January. We are past Blue Monday, as they call it. I hope you fine folks are you know, finding some joy, finding some connection, you know, finding some good bud uh, and sharing it with some good people. And I think, uh, yeah, I know it's only the 19th. I'm guessing it'll be the 19th when this is out. It's only, yeah, towards the, the 20s of January. I know we have the joke that January has 700 days in, but believe me, you can make it through. You will get there. And this year's a leap year. So next month we have a fun extra free day at a time of year when... It's maybe not so shitty. In fact, you may be able to take a short city break. Uh, and if you are one of my UK guests, I know one of your favorite destinations. And there you go. That's a segue. That's a professional segue there, folks, uh, from me waffling shit onto an introduction for today's guest, who is uh, a Dutch cannabis advocate. You like? He likes it. I'm consummate professional here. Um, yes, yeah, so today's guest, who is a Dutch cannabis advocate, uh, a regular cannabis cup judge, uh, manager and part owner of the new up and coming one percent club coffee shop in Amsterdam, and the host of the awesome um, the High Cloud podcast. They are Uncle Kush. How are you doing, brother? I'm great, thanks. How are you, Bob? I'm good. I'm good. I'm in a, a very good mood. Like I say, we're slowly getting a bit of January, moving into brighter days, warmer days. So I'm, I'm optimistic. Now we're fast. Now we're fast. Blue Monday. We can dive into Green Friday. Hell yeah! Hell yeah! Ah, uh, all right. I'm I'm excited for this one because obviously I've just learned a little bit of news before we start recording as well. That means I've got even more questions to add to my giant list of questions here. Um, so let's dive straight in with it. For people that maybe don't know, obviously you and I both suffer uh as a consequence of social media censorship. So often people in our, our groups don't know about each other. So anyone that might not have uh, known about yourself or your work, um, how and when did you first get involved uh, with cannabis? Well, I started smoking out pretty young. I was uh, 13 years old, way too young. Um, always had a beautiful relationship with the plant. Um, I stopped once in a while, but always fell back in love. And then uh, I started uh, when I was about 18 years old. I noticed that I was really using it as a medicine as well in my life because I had chronic back pains. So I had uh, my my physician write me, uh, um, uh, what do you call it, for medicinal cannabis. Like a prescription. And I started, yeah, prescription. And I, I started getting it from the pharmacy every now and then, but noticed that the quality was not that good. And then I discovered online a thing called cannabis oil around 2015, 16. And that really opened my eyes. It changed my life. Uh, and it, it really uh, made me aware that cannabis is so much more than just getting high. And I really dove into the into the subject. I, I went online, started reading everything I could about it. Um, and then uh, came a point where I wanted to do something with my life that I actually enjoyed 
instead of just working for uh, for money and, and, and things. So uh, that's a point in my life where I decided to do cannabis. And uh, while I'm, I have had never written a blog before, I, I just applied to the, the website where I was always getting my information from. Like, hey, I love you guys. I'm always checking out your content and I'd love to contribute in any way. Uh, is there any way I could come work for you guys? And they said, yeah, sure. Why not? Come over. Uh, we're, we're about to launch a, a website about medicinal cannabis soon. And uh, you might be the dude for that. And, and and that's that's how it all started for me in 2016, 17, 16, I think. I started working with the guys, uh, did, uh, did over a year there, uh, read a lot and written a lot of uh, cannabis content about yeah, how cannabis works in the in the human body and the different cannabinoids and terpenes and receptors and and all these flavonoids and all all this different information and super interesting, but in in a sense it was always about sick people as well, you know. Um, while that's a big part of cannabis and and it can help a lot of people uh, feel better and, and be more positive in life, I was just a young dude in an office reading all these comments every day about people that were really sick. And, and, and that was the point that I thought like, okay, I definitely like medicinal cannabis still as a thing, as a subject, and I want to still advocate for it. And I still use it medicinally, but for me to, as a young dude, be working in this, this industry where I was also, uh, taking a lot of these stories home with me, you know, these were people mm. with cancer, people with uh, chronic pains, people that couldn't walk, people that had uh, all these brain injuries, all these crazy things that I was taking that all home with me, you know, and, 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 and I really got depressed by all these stories. And there, there was uh, one point there was a, a girl who was actually the same age as my uh, my wife was at that point and, and she had terminal cancer, you know, and, and she was, she was going to die. Bro. And, and, and that hit so hard and, and, and that stuck on to me. And, and I was like, I, I can't deal with this on a daily basis anymore, you know, because mm -hmm. I want to help everybody. I want to see everybody be, be, be healthy and fine, but I can't just, I, I don't have the ability to, to do it for everybody. Um, so, so I, I have to stop trying. And, uh, so I dove into the, into the recreational market and, and started working for a cannabis seed company, did the marketing and, uh, a lot of other stuff as well for Amsterdam genetics for a while, uh, learned a lot about the coffee shop industry at the Moody Jonge Slotendijk location. Our office was just above that. Uh, and I was doing a lot behind the scenes. It was super interesting really major stepping stone for my career as well because say what you want to say about the organization it's still uh it still is a really big organization so you're about to learn a lot of shit when you work for an organization like that and if you're willing to you know uh, and uh but yeah I hit a ceiling there at one point and then felt the need to do something good again for the world or something so 
then I started working for a, a CBD producer here in the, in the Netherlands who does over 200 brands all over the world. Major, major producer. And he had his own brands and everything. So we started to do some marketing and, and help out with the website uh, with that. Um, but then again, I was sitting in an office all day dealing with sick people and, and that whole situation came back. So then I went back into the recreational market when I was asked to, to be a salesperson for Green Lane, a wholesaler in all these, uh, yeah, vaporizers and the vibes, uh, papers and cookie stuff and Santa Cruz grinders and everything. So that was super cool because I got to meet a lot of cool people in the cannabis space mm-hmm. and, uh, and really got like it was this was COVID period. So a lot of people are staying at home. And I was just going from coffee shop to coffee shop to smart shop, talking to people, being out there as much as I wanted to and as much as uh it was allowed, you know. Okay. So it was a cool period and uh I learned a lot there, made a lot of uh, good connections. But that ended that uh they it was an American company and they were doing some uh, crazy things and, and, and that led to the fact that they couldn't pay me anymore. Uh, so, so that's when uh, they stopped my, uh, they didn't renew my contract in, in 2022. And, and I had a little bit of money sitting and I had all this time and I had all these plans that I always wanted to do. And, uh, and that's when I thought, Fuck it, let's do it. Let's try. Let's see what we can do. Mm-hmm. And um, did the thumbs up come before because I I I, I said I, fuck. I am not sure what that was. Oh. I've never <laughs> seen that before in 130 episodes. I've never seen that happen on Zoom. Uh-huh. Yeah, I'm gonna say fuck a lot more. Sorry about that. Right. No, I, I swear const- constantly. <laughs> That's the first time I've ever seen it. I'm. I'm not sure. I'm really not sure what that was about. Glad that wasn't it. Glad that wasn't it. Yeah. It was on both so, sides. Uh, it was. It wasn't just in your head. Yeah. <laughs> but uh, but yeah. So, uh, April 2022. That's when um, the whole podcast idea came to life. It was something that was uh, in my head for ages since the since the first uh, cannabis job I had. I was suggesting to my uh, employers, hey, we should do something like a podcast or, or video content or something. And nobody ever wanted to invest in that. And then in 2022, when I had the means, the time and the plans, it was just a matter of trying. Hmm. And we did it. And, and it was an instant hit. I mean, the, the numbers were crazy for Dutch uh, principles and um, looking up the, the what you said, uh, the the fact they were censored, and it's very hard to to push your content into the algorithm as soon as you show a bud or some smoke. It's always something. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, the, the the response was great from from viewers and from also companies that wanted to come on and uh, advertise on on the show, and uh, and we just started building. We just started building on the brand. We we went out to the to different parts of the Netherlands, showed coffee shops to people, talked to cool people. Uh, we went out to to events like the expos in Berlin, 
expos in, 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 in Spain, uh, full events in the Netherlands, um, just to show the cannabis community what else is out there. Because uh, when I look at the uh, Dutch way of consuming cannabis, the way I was brought into it, it's just some bad flour with tobacco. <laughs> and, and if you're like, in, in most cases, it's, it's also a haze or something, you know, it's not even, mm-hmm. it's just to get you fucked up and nothing more. And, uh, and I believe that, that cannabis uh, deserves more than that, way more than that. And, and we should look at it as a more wholesome thing. And I want to, I want to show people that. And, and, and now people send me uh, messages saying, yo, I, I, I learned so much from your podcast. I've, I've, I've stopped using tobacco. I've started following my nose. Uh, I always say follow your nose when you're going to, in, into the coffee shop and see what your body reacts to. If, you, if your body goes, ooh, when you smell something, that's probably something you should smoke. But I guarantee you, if, if, if your body goes, ooh, you're not going to like that, you know? Mm-hmm. And these are the things that most cannabis users or consumers don't even don't even think about in the Netherlands because it's just yeah, getting something will get me high, you know. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's a an amazingly concise progression that you've had with this. I mean, obviously, it's uh, fortunate in in the Netherlands that there is a kind of quasi tolerated, decriminalized to a, an extent, like a a de facto decriminalization. So uh, we're looking the other way rather than a piece of paper decriminalization, which uh, more like Barcelona, although actually technically since like mid 2021, that piece of paper disappeared and the new uh, Barcelona mayor. Yeah. I mean, we'll get onto that, that in a bit, but yeah, that's, that's a bit of a teaser for you folks. We'll talk some not good things coming out of Barcelona right now, but obviously you've kind of benefited from being, um, within the Netherlands that has this kind of established or will constantly establishing culture because it's always reinventing itself as, as we see sort of every five, 10 years. I mean, it, there, is, there has seemed to be a hesitance within the Dutch industry, um, but it's because it's always done its own thing and what it does works in its borders, whereas it seems everyone else is trying to take over the world. And so the coffee yeah. shops are world famous, are renowned, are this kind of bastion held as this, this almost church do you know what I mean? In this kind of uh, mentality, obviously coffee shops called the church. Um, and it, so from that, you've, you've, you've literally just kind of, as you said, you've, I guess, followed your nose of instinctive employment. Um, and as, as we were talking about before we sort of started recording is that the people with the passion and the truth, they seek each other. We, we can't help no matter what walls they put up, how many barriers between us, how many miles, whatever censorship we find each other. And you seem to have done that within the, the 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 Dutch system, as you were saying, that from your experience in different facets, whether it be sort of the medical side, it be sort of the recreational side, um, it be in business, it be in culture. And then from that, to be able to create a podcast that catalogs these stories, as you say, that, that represents the best of all, um, I, th- I think is brilliant. The fact that you put it obviously with English subtitles helps someone like myself that doesn't speak Dutch. Um, no matter how many times I, I go to the beautiful country, I just can't seem to pick it up. Probably because I'm usually on mushrooms and weed when I'm in, in the country. But that's a different story. Um, 
but yeah, I, I, I think it's great to have seen the success of it in in the time frame that you've you've been putting it out. And I think uh, I do see a lot of the people I follow around the world when it comes up on Instagram liked by, and it is people from different industries and communities around the world. And so it's brilliant to see such universal appeal. And you, but you keep it in your native tongue. I think that's it's it's wonderful to see. And I say that so I'm just learning editing and clips and putting bloody automated cues on and having to correct them. You think that it's a plus that I do it in my native tongue, or should I start doing English content? I, no, I, I, I think additionally you could do some English content, but I think that it's it's nice. I, wait, I'm not a bigger. I, I'm pro Europe. I'm, I'm pro humanity, right? So I like to hear foreign tongue, even if it confuses me or whatever. It's it's almost in a voyeuristic kind of way. I'm watching you talk as you would talk. And as my experience of coming to Holland for like 20, or predominantly Amsterdam and The Hague for like 20 years, is when an English person walks in a spot, the Dutch start speaking English. So it's not something I'm usually exposed to. So then being able to see you talk with passion in your language about it, it it's insightful, it's inspiring. And then to have the the... Well, as much as again, I can't, I can't check your work here, brother. I'm assuming the English subtitles you're putting are the same as what you're saying in Dutch, but it does hold. Yeah. I can, I can follow the conversation. Do you know what I mean? I can follow exactly what you're saying. So I, I personally wouldn't change anything, but I also watch everything with subtitles naturally anyway. Um, yeah, yeah, yeah okay. Content, I think, uh, or even just like, I think more mishmash. Of, of languages and culture we all should be doing it because we are a global right. culture we we, we, we manifest locally my, uh, but we are global that's what i love about my spanish content because i also speak a little bit of spanish and then i walk around there talking english talking dutch talking spanish and then even some portuguese with a brazilian dude coming in and that gives for the, for the, the best content for sure mm -hmm. yeah yeah 100 something like i said it allows people to I, I say this, I'm non-bilingual. I, I speak what Geordie, uh, which is like Northern English in English. <laughs> so there's, there's my bilingual, my bilingual skills. Um, but yeah, it, even when speaking to someone, the fact that you have to almost change and modulate the language to, for the listener, so it means that you're not conveying it in the way that you want to. But if you can allow that person to truly authentically speak, then you get far more from it. Yeah. So yeah, yeah, that's that. That's awesome, and I want to thank you as well. Actually, I saw you post on your Instagram your press accreditation, and I went shit. And last night I applied for for my press accreditation for Spanibus. So I'll, I'll be, be sorted. I'll be seeing you there. Um, but I did yep. remember. Needed, I did remember. Needed. Yeah, very very needed. Those yeah, tickets uh, are expensive. They're, they're expensive, and uh, for me, it's. I like the consumer experience, but this is going to sound a bit elitist, and I do apologize for anybody that will be stuck in that queue. But being able to avoid the queue when you've got cameras and whatever else with you, and you've got a very set plan, and you are there for an experience per se, but you want to get in there, run around, and secure your interviews, secure your time slots with yes. people. It's a it's yeah. a really time sensitive thing, so it's not like you're gaining. It's a hard weekend's work. It's a really a tough, 100%. tough week. It's it's a lot of work for for people like us trying to get everybody on video and, and, and filming cool content for the people staying at home or for people to review after when they when they come back from the from the expo. It's it's definitely a difficult job. And then having the the little benefit of skipping the line and making sure that you're fast 
uh, fasting and, and, and can go in and out when you need it, when you forget the battery at home or forget this at home or at, at the hotel, and then you come back real quick. That's uh, yeah, needed. Yeah, 100%, 100%. Uh, for all, it seems this conversation is trying to take us to talk about Barcelona and Spanibus. I do want to concentrate uh, firstly on um, coffee shops, on the coffee shops in uh, Holland at the minute, because obviously there is uh, a current trial that is, it's taken a good few years to get off the ground, but it is yeah. cur currently functioning in, and forgive my pronunciation, is it Breda and is it Tilburg? That's not bad. Breda and Tilburg, not bad. Sweet, sweet. All right, cool. Um, I saw recently you did a recording with some of the people involved in one of the coffee shops that's doing the direct comparison. Uh, so yeah. for people that don't, actually, I'm not even going to tell you. I'll, I'll, let, I'll let yourself tell these wonderful people uh, what's going on up there, if you don't mind. Yeah, so uh, in the Netherlands, the situation has always been, or always for the last 40, 50 years, that you can buy weed in the coffee shop but the coffee shop is not allowed to purchase that weed because it's not allowed to be grown anywhere, which is kind of weird because where the hell does it come from then? Magic lands. Anyway, um, some a little bit smarter people in the government thought it might be a good idea to start experimenting with legal grow because we see cannabis being legalized all over the world we saw an influx of imported cannabis into the Netherlands because all this legal weed uh, and, and legal facilities made beautiful weed that eventually ended up here because the quality was way better and price was way better. Um, and, and cracking down on, on uh, the Dutch growers did not help quality in, in coffee shops at all because the uh, imported weed often comes with mold. Uh, it, it's sometimes grown in, in bad environments with pesticides and that type of stuff. We had uh, things from Eastern Europe come in that were just borderline cancerous and, and, and you don't want that. Mm -hmm. uh, also, we see everywhere in the world they're, they're legalizing cannabis and, and uh, like multiple countries in Europe want to legalize cannabis as well. Only problem is, though, the EU and the UN don't allow us to, as long as we don't do it for research purposes. So some smart people thought it might be a good idea to research what happens if we allow legally grown weed to be sold in coffee shops. Smart thinking. Mm -hmm. So there's now an experiment where... Um, there were 10 growers selected from like a list of hundreds and hundreds of people that applied for a license. Um, 10 licenses were given out and, and those 10 people or 10 companies were supposed to grow wheat for coffee shops in 10 selected cities in the Netherlands. And uh, now we've come to a point where it was all taking way too long because uh, it's, for example, very hard to get a good location, bless you, to get a good location for uh, to grow weed or to get a bank account as a cannabis uh, company in the Netherlands. So um, we got to a point where only one of the 10 selected growers was already harvesting weed and 
the other nine, you're still hoping to get a bank account, hoping to start building soon, hoping to find a spot to start building soon. And uh, so a few cities, Breda and Tilburg, uh, and uh, one of that grower that, that was already uh, pushing out weed, um, they plead with the government to start early. Please let us start to sell this weed that we've been harvesting. And the city's been uh, are ready for us. Let's go. So the government decided that if three of the 10 growers were ready, then two of these cities could be supplied with legal weed already. So now we're actually in some sort of free phase of the actual experiments where two cities in the, of the Sen are supplied by three growers out of them. And um, this is because the growers are not on full capacity yet. You got to understand that the first drop of cannabis from the two growers that came in last, um, because the other one was already growing for a while, as I said. Um, so this, this weed, was, was bad or, or not up to the standards that you would expect for, from a legal grower because one of them was growing it outdoors without a light even. Mm. You know, uh, the other one was growing it in a greenhouse with a few lights but had genetics that need to be, uh, had to be taken down early to be able to get the, the deadline for the coffee shop. Mm. So imagine the quality that's been going around these coffee shops. And then what also doesn't help is the fact that um, coffee shops are allowed to have 500 grams at a maximum of stock in-house at any given moment. This is a rule that they're going to loosen up when the experiment starts. The experiment didn't actually start yet. So in Breda and Tilburg, these coffee shops are still working with the 500 grand rule while needing to stock both the illegal and the legal stocks. Um, this legal stuff comes from a grower that's maybe two hours away, needs to come in with uh, like these secured uh, cars and everything because that's mm -hmm. just how they decided it, it needed to be while you're illegal weed is just a phone call away and 20 minutes around the corner. Mm -hmm. And it can come in, in how many grams you want, but you have to order 20 grams minimum or 50 grams minimum or 100 grams minimum from the the grower. You know, so it's still a very difficult situation they're in. Um, something that's also good because now we have like this pre-phase to knock out any problems that, or issues that we might encounter in these first weeks and months because you're definitely going to have shit. There's always shit when you change something. Things never go good, you know, never go smooth. So, um, but yeah, it gives it, it gives a little bit of room for improvement before the actual thing starts. Now we've given some, some pretty hard feedback to the to the growers as well i mean i'm in touch with a lot of these people i actually talked to two of the growers of which the quality was less than i would expect in the in this experiment um 
and 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 I I've given them some some honest feedback like this is not what we want to see and definitely not for these prices if you want to compete with the with the illegal market in a, in a few months then you have to you're gonna have to step up your game you know and we made a video about that as well and, and a lot of a lot of the short form content that we put out there went viral because people were shocked that for example I found a seed in my legal weed like that's that's not what you want or what you expect right I mean sensimilia is is a thing like oh <laughs> for a while now <laughs> you know it's been a thing since the 70s yeah I mean it just it it creates this kind of artificial binary between the almost the we have a there's a tv show in the uk uh that had i kind of think what the, the tv show is now oh what the hell is it peep show called peep show on channel four and um there's these there's the character on that uh and he's a bit of a dodgy guy and there's a thing that became a meme and it's basically the secret ingredient is crime and that's what i hear every time i think of these goddamn things is whenever you put legal and get them nerds involved all the bureaucrats and oh you can't park there your vehicle's three inches from the curb that kind of person, they don't understand cannabis. They don't understand our culture. They just go, well, here's a giant manual. Follow all of these procedures. Put no love into it. Don't don't talk to it. Don't care about it. Don't, you know, actually have that relationship to it. That That's all I'm seeing around these spaces. And it is, it's mental that those people believe that the way to deal with the criminality that arises from them criminalizing us is for them to grow our weed. It's just perplexing. It's so perplexing. It's literally like the experiment should be, okay, I I appreciate it. It's a good thing you're giving the feedback, but a kind of a, a part of me, a very sinister part of me is kind of like, what if we don't tell them their shit weed comes, the experiment fails and we go, oh, got to keep giving it to the lads that have been doing it for 40 years. When it should be, how do we make the lads that have got it right now not be criminals? If they want that opportunity, if they're not doing other things like, you know, human traffic, I'm not saying they are, but human trafficking, like involved in like sex trafficking or violence. Or drugs, drugs, weapons, exactly. whatever. If yeah. they're literally just good weed growers, then we should be approaching those people and it should be like uh, NFL scouts. And it should be like a draft every season, every grow season, where the best growers can come out and be, and these companies bid on them and be like, oh, we, we, what do you want? We'll give you everything. Move to our space and grow our weed. We'll, and that, it should be a reward for your knowledge and your, your passion. What, what I would like to see, for example, is uh, a situation where you can uh, rent uh, a grow room at one of the licensed mm-hmm. growers, you know? You just say, hey, listen, I've been growing this and that long. Uh, here's some pictures from my old grows, whatever. You can see I'm not a not a full amateur. Or you can even have like a, a, a counselor, advisor walking around from the thing, you know. Mm-hmm. You rent out your spot. You put your genetics in the way you want it, everything. You go in every day if you want to, but it's monitored. So whenever something fucks up in terms of electricity, water, things, whatever, you get a call. Hey, listen, this is happening. Can you be here in 20 minutes or should I handle it? Whatever, you know, and then that goes out through an auction or something, you know? Mm-hmm. That, no, that th- was my idea. I think, yeah, for a facility over a certain size, 100%. There should obviously be 
always discretionary home grow. I still, no matter where I've been, if it's Morocco yeah. or fucking Canada or uh, Oregon or wherever, and I've seen people's projects, their, their big thing, and I've gone, yeah, nice load of plants and love what you do, great. Where's your other grow? Where's your wow. passion project with your two or three plants that you love? That's the one I want to smoke. And um, that's that's a thing. I mean, I don't. I'm not against like uh, call it uh, uh, here. We call it Albert Hein weed. You know, if you're gonna look at the a big chain that's gonna do all the weed for everybody, every like we're gonna smoke this all over the country. I'm mm. not against that per se, but allow us to grow. I mean, home grow is definitely the first thing we need to legalize. If you're talking about uh, giving a positive like message towards your 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 cannabis consumer, legalizing home grow is number one. And in every country that you're gonna look where they've legalized any part of like rec, rec use or, or grow, home grow is always legalized. Why? You're not gonna stop it. Wait, this is an interesting one of uh, Colorado versus Washington. So Washington State is now 14 years since its citizens voted to end cannabis prohibition and you still can't grow at home in, in uh, Washington State. Wow. And it, it, it's, so it's with meant... the exception of Washington State then, sorry yeah. about that. Yeah, but, yeah. It's, but I get, get what you're saying because it's exactly that. It's You can't then go, oh, well, we're going to allow this to happen because as soon as you lift the foot over here, the whole body can rise. You know, I'm, I'm using it as a metaphor, and we're suppressed because that's exactly what we are. We are, we are thriving culture already. The black already. market, the black market won't have room to grow when people are growing at home. I mean, if I'm allowed to grow my own weed, and I can buy my Walmart weed, what else do I need? Wait, I don't need a dodgy guy at my at my door anymore. You know, because if it's not the 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 big chain weed for me. I can do it myself. Thank you so much. We what well, exactly they need to understand the or what it used to be. Obviously, things have got really fucked up in the past sort of decade, maybe two decades, with like the acceleration of global Americana and fast food becoming regular food. It used to be the majority of your food you ate at home. You bought your ingredients, you did the work, you had that, that was your nutrition. Then if you went out, you could treat yourself. And you would yeah. then buy buy a dinner or whatever else. Obviously, some people have different affluence and positions. You can afford to go out for every meal or whatever. And I'm not making a judgment against anybody for their social position. But what I'm saying is the idea of responsibility for one's own needs. There is something that will always taste better about making a damn good meal yourself than paying some motherfucker for it. Yes, there is economic benefit to that guy working in the kitchen, the guy washing the dishes, waiting the tables, the whole economic structure. There's benefit to it. But that should always be secondary to our individual needs. And I completely agree. I mean, I did the math recently and I don't know whether I should say it actually, really. Um, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to cover this with some potentials. I may or may not have in some <laughs> point recently performed a cannabis grow in which for an input of amount of money equal to about 700 pounds, I returned 30 to 32 ounces for about, 23 to 25 pounds potentially if that could have happened so people are then happy when they're getting eighth for 25 pound that's a good deal so i'm not encouraging anyone to break the law technically but there is a huge economic incentive for one to be self-sufficient so rather than spending 200 plus pounds on an ounce in some spaces you 
spend 20 plus pounds and then you have all of this other money. Yes, you take your risk. And obviously that calculation of mine doesn't include my labor and my time because I'm not seeking to sell that product if I indeed made such product at all. But you, you, you get what I'm sort of saying is that if we had that as our own stable and then the others that can't grow, haven't don't have access. And one of my mates, you know, maybe came to me in this hypothetical conversation. I, this isn't something I potentially partake in and just in this hypothetical we're creating for entertainment purposes here. Uh, if they then came to me and went, I would like to procure one of those set ounces. I could then, if either be the you know the good capitalist and go, well, market rate is two hundred pounds. Out there's two hundred pounds for that, or I could then go, well, all right, I know you're broke. I know times are tough right now. Rather than you spending two hundred pound elsewhere, you maybe give me a hundred pounds. You've got two hundred pounds worth of service and value, but a hundred pounds is in your pocket. If we did that to everybody, do you know how much economic stimulation we would have? Millions of people would have more money to guess what? Pay taxes. We would pay every time we go to the shop and we buy munchies. We're putting more money back into our economy, and if the, uh, our, you know, polit political class was doing its job, that money would be filling in potholes, paying for schools. You know, it would be building new infrastructure. It would be fucking fixing our waterways and systems, renewable energies, etc. Whereas all that money is currently siphoned off into often the most violent and, and shitty people in society because in competitive markets, I mean, even in and in Amsterdam, where it's considered this, you know, this bastion of progressive order, there is still certain groups of individuals that drive around and threaten coffee shop owners and go, oh, you sell our weed or we drive around at two in the morning, pop, pop two gunshots into your front door, you're shut for a month. Economically, you're fucked. There, there is these whole systems of exploitation that's, that, that will always exist, but it gets hyper worse yeah. the, the further you move from it. And yeah. it's, it's just one of those things that we can see and understand because we've lived it. But when you talk to one of these bureaucratic types, they go, no, 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 no. My friends run data companies. My friends run consultant companies. My friends run giant international horticultural companies. They know how to do this. And when you ask them if they've ever grown a plant or if they even smoke cannabis, they look at you like, I'm not a criminal. Yeah, yeah, yeah it's terrible. Yeah, it's, it's crazy. It's fucking crazy. So, so it's, it's nicely put, and 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 that's the thing. As long as you're criminalizing a part of the part of the chain, you know, there's always gonna be some criminal shit involved. There's always gonna be people involved that are sketchy and that you know might also do other things or whatever, or that money is also going into like this criminal system and and not supporting what you know the industry for example or paying taxes and, and legalizing and in that way would help solve a lot of shit i mean but we're preaching to the choir here i think about yeah, legalization yeah. well i mean it's it it would help in some ways but it would create obviously this whole other set of problems and this is why i, I always state that like legalization cannot exist without decriminalization because otherwise legalization just means that corporations and certain individuals with enough influence and money uh, can do what they want, which is kind of what is happening under criminalization where you have, you know, big, especially in the UK, we have a huge uh, conglomerate of, well, not necessarily connected, Albanian groups that are growing vast amounts. Obviously, they're not paying into the system by, like, again, if under my story from before, you know, I'd be paying tax on my seeds, on my feed, on my electric, on my water, 
I would be paying into that system. Whereas these larger conglomerates then often will, you know, traffic individuals or intimidate individuals into producing large amounts, they're exploiting their labor. And so under then these larger farms in America, they end up doing the same. These legacy people that were once supplying the whole culture are now lucky to get a bud tr uh, trimming job because of a criminal record they've got. It's it, So I, I think there has to be that merger of culture and industry to create um, our better future. And this is why I often say that the, the coffee shops and the, the cannabis social clubs, they are the, the pointed edge of our progression through their ignorance. And so I'm always interested in, in, in hearing what's happening. So what what's the quality of bud like? What is happening sort of on the ground to people that are, are directly comparing uh, what's available on the menus in, uh, in these cities? What you oh. see a lot lately is um, is a lot of Canadian weed coming in mm. because at the end of the day, we're still living in a society where most people smoke cannabis with tobacco. So it's easy to mask like the quality of weed with, with tobacco. Um, and, and this is rather cheap weed with a good uh, or maybe okay uh, smell, you know, and, and it looks looks fine, but most of it is, is yeah, full of mold or uh, grown with, with pesticides or things mm -hmm. that, or PGRs that we're not allowed to use in Europe with certain reasons, you know. Mm -hmm. um, um, and in the other, uh, in the other side, you also see a lot of uh, like expensive Cali products coming onto the market lately. You know, you've seen the influx uh, of brands coming in, and, and the, the the baggies and and the, mm. the two gram rosin jars uh, costing you two hundred fifty. But also now the the seven gram jar, something that recently uh, pops up because in. In Dutch coffee shops, they're only allowed to buy five grams at a time, uh, mm -hmm. five grams per day for for coffee shop. Actually, um, but some coffee shops are se are selling the 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 whiskey jars for with seven grams, and I already seen some of the twenty eight grams, the the ounce jars going at the Green wow. Place with the Versace and uh, I don't know what from the. Crazy, completely nuts, costing almost thousand euros. 980 yeah. I think. yeah the you see that with any kind of emergent industry or captured culture when capitalism kind of comes around and that an investor class goes wait a minute how much money can be made they kind of jump into it and as they pull up that wealth then the criminals turn around and go wait a minute how much money are they making yep. and so a lot of what i found and again i say this every time i mention this anecdote i'm not going to dob you in I enjoyed our time and had the, had the conversation. Um, <laughs> when I was in Northern California, I met a farmer who explained to me the process of getting rid of a waste product. And so he was like boxing up products. We were outside of a, a trim room, like moving through a facility. And he went like this box here, trick on the table. And we're like, this box has failed test X, Y, or Z. So I then go, okay, I need to put this in the bin. So I get a form, take said form. I fill in this form. I get my tax back from that. It's not then a loss of the potential worth of that box, the 10,000, 20, whatever thousands, you know, obviously the less in the American market massively. But once it gets out of that market, it just increases exponentially. And he says, once that's in that bin, nobody comes and checks my bin. I've said it's in the bin. I've got my money back as far as the system's concerned. So all, or not all, a large percentage of 
the Cali product that we're seeing in mainland Europe and in Little Britain over here, uh, and flooding Ireland as well because of major port cities, um, is stuff that's failed. Pesticide tests, heavy metal tests. They are not especially the loose, the loose, and they're all that the, the little pop, pop, the small pop stuff. cones. Yeah. Because the, the the funny thing is that some of those brands that we know and love over here are better known here or, or more renowned here in Europe and the UK than they are in the United States. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, so the doges of this world and, and, and Mr. Dells and everything, Dells also big in, in the in the US, but they're they're huge here. Mm-hmm. You know, so so some of these brands they they send their best stuff here, while to, to build the hype or whatever. While the the big stuff that we see coming in the lemon the lemon cherry gelato with no brand on it, mm-hmm. you can bet your ass on that. But ninety percent of the shit just smells just bad. Like it had no pesticides, PGRs, whatever the fucking word that you weren't supposed mm-hmm. to be smoking. You definitely smell those kinds of. Uh, we definitely, definitely, but the Canadian stuff is worse. I had a, a podcast with um, Greg Dennett from uh, a, a lab called um, Cannabidics, and he tests a lot of cannabis samples for coffee shops. And I have this QR code, and you can check that and everything. And um, and he says that the the the, the worst of the worst in general. Is, uh, is the Canadian weed in terms of mold and other contaminations that we don't want to see. Yeah. But the, yeah, the Canadian system blew up so fast and just the little fish ate the big, bigger fish ate the little fish until there's a couple of sharks left. And then they just ran out of food. And so they're kind of just circulating now and the industry, they can't really get it below, I think the 50% mark, they're really struggling to get it under 50% of the like gray area legacy market sales still continuing. And it's because again, of a lack of understanding, they, these people are, are coming in, I say these people in the loosest terms, these again, bureaucrats that we kind of spoke of before and going, well, cannabis is criminality until it's legal. Then when we make it legal, anything after that, as long as it's in the rules is fine. When it's the wrong thing, to me, it's more analogous to how like the British criminalized homosexuality and a European hero in Alan Turing, you know, helped uh, deal with the uh, the German fucking coding machine that helped fucking cut World War Two by like, what, a year, two years? If you believe our propaganda, I say our propaganda, our publications, which may very well be propaganda. Um, but um, he was then chemically castrated. So he effectively has gone down in history as winning the war for Britain, then was chemically castrated because he was a homosexual. A homosexual, And then years later, the law has changed. And then it wasn't until maybe 10 years ago, the government issued an apology, obviously posthumously, because he was long since dead. But it feels like it's the same kind of thing, that we, we need to admit that you were wrong and go back and fix the problem rather than go, okay, we were wrong. We'll fix it from now on. You don't deserve to be in our lives. You're the oppressor. You're the guy that ruined our lives and that limited our potential. And now we have an opportunity to build an industry and culture. They're trying to find these ways to, to shut it down, to limit it. And this is where, again, you see like yeah, the, the, the Fidel's and that of the world, the Doge is actually coming out of the state. They're not trying to win in that capitalist game. They're trying to show themselves to the culture, to the people who were here That's for the decades I prior. Fidel. I had a, 
I had a great session with Fidel here in Amsterdam. He came over and uh, we did a private session with him in the uh, greenhouse on the Solstraat. Shout out to Goa for arranging the spot then. Um, and uh, it was a great time. And then we talked a little bit about his, his, his career in the market as well. And he was once an LP and now he's not. So he, he, he willingly stopped like growing legally because of the headache and and and, and the, the restrictions that he had, and he's way happier doing the things that he's doing the way he's doing it now, building the brand, going out, doing what he wants, and and the people love him for it, and the, the product show you know the passion, and mm-hmm. that's what we need. And fashion can cannot be contained sometimes. You know, I mean, how are you gonna? contain an artist in his art mm-hmm. like exactly. is it then still his art no i think that is, is a is a beautiful way to look at it in terms of the way that it manifests so differently in the way people go i, I wouldn't do it that way i'd do it this way it's like yeah well then go do it your way be, be you authentically represent you because there is so much scope and space like cannabis would dwarf the alcohol industry if allowed like in terms of the culture globally it, 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 it just it, it does in a lot of states in in mm-hmm. the U.S. where rec use uh, is allowed. You see that the, the alcohol consumption and the 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 Xanax and all that type of bullshit, the opioids, all that shit, all goes down. People start mm-hmm. using more weed, get happier, less crime, less drug use, less alcohol use, less death. It's mm-hmm. It's all in the numbers. We can all start. It's been proven. Uruguay. Uruguay. Go check it out. It's cool. They're still alive. You know? <laughs> yeah. No, exactly, exactly that. All of the, the prohibitionists kind of prophecies of, you know, potheads crashing into each other, millions dying on the streets and all these children getting addicted. I mean, the U.S. figures recently have come out and it's actually trailing down. So the likelihood of teens using cannabis is going down the more access adults have to it. And obviously part yeah, of that is... it's not cool anymore, you know? Exactly. My, da- cool my, my dad does it. doing it. Yeah. Yeah, the kids are like, my dad does weed. I'm not going to do that. So then they're doing, yeah, kind of the other thing. That's a whole other conversation. Um, but yeah, so it's the... Sorry about that. No worries, no worries. Uh, so... Let's have a little bit of a talk then. Uh, you maybe hinted at earlier a bit of an exclusive. Uh, obviously, there's been a little bit of background noise while we've been recording here because you yeah. are some somewhere special. Do you uh, fancy revealing that and letting us know what you've uh, been up to with this? Yeah, so uh, this might or might not be the new location for the 1%. Nice, nice. Yeah, yeah. We've... Um... So- it's a dream coming true. I've uh, I've met a few uh, investors a while back, and, um, and and they were looking or yeah they're acquiring all kinds of cannabis businesses, and it's a really cool dude. And I I asked him, so would you want to have a coffee shop? And, and he said, yeah, that's impossible. And I told him, no, bro, nothing is impossible. <laughs> and now uh, we're almost a year later. Uh, but we found a great location, and um, and we're uh, we're opening doors soon. Nice, nice. Uh, do you have an idea of sort of of when people can expect doors to be opening? 
or is that uh, uh, hush hush right now? Yeah. <laughs> I okay, I'll, I'll include the, the link to Instagram below where people can keep an eye out. Um, That's on the a page. good idea. I'll go follow the Instagram page and uh, more info will follow soon. Excellent, excellent. Um, I suppose then it does, it leads me on to uh, sort of the last sort of question I guess I've got around coffee shops really, or one of the last questions. Uh, the influx you were talking about before, obviously you've seen like a lot of loose Cali and a lot of like coffee shops having half Cali menu, half just a menu as it were. Yeah. Um, what what do you make of or think is whether it be good or bad of kind of an influx of UK and US brands? I, I don't want to. I'm trying to think of the right word to say it. Um, like operating inside of established coffee shops. So sort of the the keeping the the loose branding of the original coffee shops, but then this the new brand comes in. I'm thinking like plug co uh, cookies, etc. Like is that benefiting the the coffee shop scene would you say or, or what's sort of the the consequences of of that happening the plug did a lot for the dutch candidates uh community you know when they came in around 2016 i call it the plug effect i've been talking about it on my podcast as well when they came in uh around 2016-17 in the netherlands in, in, in amsterdam with that first coffee shop uh, they changed the game they came with real flavors for a fair price from, from the Spanish world, so great genetics. Um, they had affordable Cali, and and that really made a lot of shots. Like, okay, we need to step up our game, and they did, and it, it really showed, and it was great. Um, and now you feel uh, the the plug is is a UK brand, you know. Uh, mm -hmm. But then, what I don't like to see is like the. Uh, the collaboration with the, the cookies lounge in greenhouse for example you know it's nothing more than a like a, a, a fresh fresh paint that they put on it's a, it's a blue lounge it's nothing they don't even sell the original stuff uh, tyson on the other hand that's a cool concept i mean they did it it looks nice uh he's been there you know uh, they have mm. all the all the names on the on the menu that you want to see there. The knockout OG and the face off, and they have the the Mike bites that's in here with the with the bite <laughs> taken out of it. It's 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 just it makes sense. It's it's a cool concept, and it's it's not for me to hang out every day, you know, as a local. But if you're here, you need to go check that out. You know, you need to take a picture with the with the with the with the huge Mike Tyson on the wall. You need that. That's that's part of the Amsterdam experience, of course. Just like coming to the one percent will be part of the Amsterdam experience once the open doors. You know, you yeah. take a picture with Uncle Chris. Nice, nice. I'm uh, I am considering coming. Back from Spanabis by uh, Amsterdam this year, so uh, I don't know if that might be in the right time frame. If it is, oh, yeah, 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 we're opening doors way sooner than that. We're talking like in a few weeks. Oh wow, wow, wow! There you yeah, go, folks. Yeah, yeah. That's real exclusive. Definitely check out links below uh, to find out where to keep up to date with that one. Um, yeah, in interesting. Uh, it is good to see that kind of then just to anything where a new person like comes into the uh, an older space it does naturally kind of shake things up and it's good to hear that as from a, a local's perspective being sort of generally uh, to the to the benefit i i am a bit and this is again the cynic in me maybe a bit worried about 
the fact that American brands are having to leave their air quotes legal jurisdictions to come into an illegal jurisdiction to without restrictions uh publicly promote their their brands and i'm just worried that if europe was to then follow america where do we all go to have that cultural representation because everyone was jumping on thailand but thailand are very much looking like they're going to try and reverse quite a lot of things no i think the markets are are very different and they will stay different because the, the demographic, the people you're 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 dealing with are different in general. So that makes yeah, the difference in business. You know, I studied retail and business and I had to learn all about demographics and people and, and all that type of shit and how to target the right people, whatever. But um so there's always gonna be a diff- difference between the, the Dutch and 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 the the tourists or you know so the the way you see coffee shops in in amsterdam is different than out of outside of amsterdam for example you know uh, it's it's different markets i think that the americans definitely the brands trying to come in like a Thailand, a cookies or whatever uh, and there's some more coming next year or this year. I know there's a new artist coming. I know there's a, um, another, uh, what's it called? Tyson will probably get a new one. Um, so, and, and there's Doja wants to open up a coffee shop in, in, in 24. So, there's, and there's a lot of people looking. So, mm-hmm. Uh, but but they're gonna have to do the Dutch thing or the Amsterdam thing, just the way that the Spanish social clubs they do are still like in like the Spanish social club should be. You know, they're managed by locals or people that understand the local situation. Uh, my partners are Americans, but I'm the manager here. Mm-hmm. I decide how we run business because I understand the demographics. I understand what we're doing here. And if they're going to tell me how we should be running things in the Netherlands, then they should first understand how this works because we're dealing with different people. And this is what I've seen happening with Greenlane, for example, the company I was working for uh, doing the wholesaling. They came in with the American idea of pushing it and not on us, like this is what you need to do because we're doing that here. Yeah, you need to be selling four million uh vaporizers in the Netherlands. And I'm like, bro, how well everybody smokes with tobacco. We need to educate these people first. This is not the things you're gonna be profiting from on a on a short term, you know. You gotta be with the demographics to understand where all your success points and then later you can always try to push them on to certain things but start start making some money first you're a business thing you know you gotta cater to the locals i'm i'm a guy i, I only smoke pure joints i don't i don't do tobacco anymore for a long time eight nine years but i still gonna need to have pre-rolls on this uh, on the menu with tobacco in them mm-hmm. Yeah, I mean, you know? you've, you've got to, yeah, the, it's the same as like, uh, so I'm I'm a quiet vegan, I guess I'm not one of these loud ones, 
Um, but it's the same same sort of thing. If it's the representation I want in a restaurant of being that there should be a milk that I want for the coffee that I seem to be addicted to and drink copious amounts of, the same way that should, if it was reversed, there should then be the token thing of the cow's milk available. If people then drink cow's milk and a lot of these people would, would want that, you, you provide the service not just for like good kind of business practices work, but also for, I guess, inclusion and representation yeah. of it. That's what the, the the best of the coffee shops I've found are just, they, they are welcoming. They are so uniquely yeah. and so unapologetically themselves, but the the people that comes in them, you could literally meet a, a tourist from every part of the world and locals from different political spectrums, ages and, and beliefs. You know what I mean? It's, it's, the, the smorgasbord of individuals, that's the cultural melting pot, you the know? Most the most important uh, thing for a coffee shop is the social function. So there's a big, big part of, of, of Amsterdam coffee shops that have uh, stopped doing lounges, you know, and, 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 and that doesn't help because we are all like the, um, the black sheep. Like most of us are the black sheep in, in regular society. And this is the place where we're just like you and me. And like mm -hmm. we're, we're with equals, you know? Um, this is the place where people, some some people only come to the coffee shop to, to have a little chat with the people there, you know? Because it's the only place where they feel heard or seen, you know? So... Uh, that's that's definitely the most important part of the coffee shop, and, and that's why this Dutch uh, model is 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 so recognized all over the world because you don't have it anywhere else. Now New York, now maybe, uh, but uh, New York is Dutch is, model. I can see New York is is trying, but almost by kind of by accident, they're just basically brought in where you smoke a cigarette, you can smoke weed, yeah, you can consume cannabis. So that kind of opened up a whole uh, Pandora's box for them compared to, say, I mean, Colorado are still trying to figure out uh, mm -hmm. consumption spaces. And they're one of the legacy yeah. spots that are now 10 years into re open regulation. Obviously, no, November this year will be 10 years, but close enough. It's within the right year. Um, We've been... Yeah, yeah, look at Las Vegas. Vegas, the 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 Western decadence, where until not that long ago you could do, Jesus Christ, just about anything. And I suppose if you've got enough money, you still fucking can. But they still haven't figured out enough of the lounge spots yet. I mean, these are going to be cash cows, and they're still the that the that bureaucratic system of people are going, yeah, but what about this eventuality, this eventuality? Rather than again looking at it as the the Dutch are doing now, of how I think most people should a rational experiment. And go, okay, we know the data that we've got on what we've done up to this point. What we need now is what will happen if we ha we aren't doing that. Compare and then regulate the Venn diagram in the middle, the things that actually need intervention. Because like you say, most people will organically want to learn about cannabis and go on a journey with their relationship with it, if unrestricted. Most people will just go, I smoke weed, and they will literally want to smoke a joint and then they've got to hide it the rest of the time. They're worried about their smell, their eyes being red, their, their, their job ever finding out. So they never like a Facebook page. They never listen to a podcast because they don't want that analytics knowing. that I, I know so many people that are like that. And I don't understand it, but I do understand it. I found comfort yeah. in going the extreme other way and just being so unashamedly and, and loudly and proudly to the point of it kind of confuses most of the authorities. Um, but, but I, I can, I, I can anybody, anybody, 
You know, I, yeah. when I go to a birthday party, I'm the one, if, if someone's smoking a cigarette outside, I'm going to light up this big ass fucking joint and people are going to look at me like, what the fuck are you smoking? A trunk? You know? <laughs> it gets, yeah, it's, it's because it should be that, that equity. That's what legalization looks like to me. Legalization under its current paradigm is over-regulation by the same people that call us bad people for consuming cannabis. And I know we have to I kind of let them... The goal, let them... Our first goal should be normalization. 100%. Exactly. And I think the way we get there is these pilot schemes of open access. And it should start with, all right, do, like you said, social clubs, with, kind of what Germany promised first time round with the first draft of their their kind of air quotes legalization bill, uh, which was kind of clubs, you sell back to the clubs, the clubs can then distribute the network. There's then not a profit share, but people are paid and everyone's kind of looked after um, throughout the system. Um, that kind of mechanism, yeah, an experiment with that, where it's then the people that are consuming and partaking are also benefiting. Whereas yeah. otherwise we're just going from being exploited by the criminals, uh, a certain level of criminality that just want to make money to then just these legal people that just want to make money and no one wants to listen to us and like say represent us. So it's, I, I'm watching with great interest, obviously what kind of happens as a result with the, the Dutch experiment, obviously like say, but Switzerland as well. Uh, Bern's looking very interesting as, as, a, as a European short city stay for anybody. They've just announced recently as well, they're looking at the potential for a cocaine pilot. Um, not as in a guy to get really high on cocaine and, and fly planes, but as in a pilot scheme in Switzerland to uh, sell cocaine, which coincides with, interestingly, uh, Bolivia, I believe, in 2021, 22, maybe. I always get confused. That's um, they did a calculation that basically said that it was cheaper for them as a country to buy all of the cocaine that the cartels produce before it leaves the country than spend money trying to defend against it. Uh, so Colombia have also put in a thing last year into the UN kind of tacitly saying, you know, what would happen if we, you know, created a legal cocaine market? Um, obviously, wow. it'll piss off the Americans, you know, if they're still going on with, um, you know, fucking what was it called? Um, the Iran-Contra scandal sort of thing where they were using, you know, South American cocaine to fund slush funds and wars and whatnot. Uh, so, yeah, I think it's there's so much happening right now that once the Americans kind of went off with cannabis, I mean, look, you've got cities now with decriminalized natural psychedelics as well, which is another question I wanted to ask you as, as a Dutch national. With the history that the, the country has had with psilocybin uh, and with this sort of approach of it classically being a soft drug until obviously the early noughts when there was various incidences that got it changed to the, basically the truffles could be sold, but not the actual mushrooms, even though there are plenty of places that will sell you some mushrooms, if you know. Um, do you think that the Dutch, if then legalization moves forward with cannabis, that there would then be this natural progression towards, you know, soft entheogens like, like psilocybin? Yeah. Yeah. It should be, like if, if they're classified the same, then why should we treat them differently, right? Mm -hmm. So, mm -hmm. if there's, uh, but then it, again, probably the substance should, should will probably be treated and, and reviewed first, you know, in, in the same way that cannabis is now, because we have a history with cannabis for over 50 years in this sort of tolerated system, and that has not mm -hmm. been the case uh, for, for psilocybin. In, in that way, 
but yeah, I guess with the available research research on on the matter already, I think that it's not crazy that psilocybin will be uh, legalized in more countries uh, yeah. all over the world soon. You know. Yeah, I mean, because there's already I know of at least two British organizations that do mushroom retreats where they fly people out from the UK to Holland um and under sort of protection of the 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 this discretionary tolerance they're able to perform these ceremonies there's no sort of cash exchanged for products etc and it just as we were talking about the american brands coming to europe to kind of be able to show the culture i'm just wondering how far away we are from american mushroom brands and ayahuasca companies and all the rest of it flying to europe and setting up like mushroom lounges or because I mean, there's already conversations about MDMA social spaces. Obviously, these are quite far off conversations, and they're quite esoteric uh, in kind of the realm of activism and academics that I operate in. But the fact that they're starting to put papers together on shit like this shows there is a an appetite uh, for this. So I was just sort of curious as to because again, the, the the Dutch are held up as kind of um, a culture of of tolerance and of kind of. I don't want to say eccentricity because that's the wrong word, but an acceptance of an ability to to truly be oneself, to really be liberal. You know what I mean? Yeah, yeah, yeah. I think I think that this this legalization movement, like or or you know the the move we're seeing towards, is is something that will not stop with cannabis alone, probably. But mm-hmm. at the pace it's been moving, you know, you gotta you gotta think. Like you gotta ask yourself, when should we expect something? And then, then when you look at it realistically, the answer is probably not anytime soon, mm. because we're not there with cannabis yet either. You know, we're we're not even into the experiment phase. Yeah. <laughs> We're not yeah. we're not even actually started yet. Mm-hmm. And we, I remember writing my first article about this in 2017 or something. 2017, uh-huh. I think. Yeah. Mm. Is it? Um, I mean, I've got so many d- dates flying around in my head from different projects. Is it? Is it a five-year project initially? Uh, four actually. They oh. want to do a four years. Yeah. yeah. But now okay. that they started with the free phase, it's probably going to be four and a half or something. And then evaluate evaluation. I don't know what they're going to evaluate. I did see a, a report about some uh, some things, some checks they did. Uh, they did some what do you call it? Questionnaire questionnaires they sent out to uh, like only a few hundred people in a few of the cities that were selected and they looked at a few crime numbers and some sales figures and they're gonna see I don't I don't I don't know what their what their plan is, what their mm. what their goals are, you know. I don't think they've determined like the experiment is a, is a success if this or is not a success with that. I don't think that is uh, that is um, determined in any way. You know, that's that's good that the it doesn't feel like there's a an objective outcome that they are consciously or unconsciously no. sort of working towards. They actually, want to truly study what will happen. I think yeah, if yeah. it can be unbiased, that'll be not just beneficial to to Holland 
but the rest of the world, because I feel everywhere else is skewed by business going, you're going to find that, that our system that makes us a lot of money is best, right? Yeah, then here's some money. Go look at it, you know? Yeah. 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 Interesting. All right, I feel a lot better about the future of the coffee shops. So let's uh, have a quick conversation, if that's all right, about Barcelona, because I'm feeling a little bit less confident about the social clubs down there. Um, yeah. It's an interesting one in that it seems to be in a similar thing. The reason I was concerned about Amsterdam was uh, your current mayor, whose name I'm going to butcher, Femke Halsma. Halsma? Yeah. Um, yeah, and her kind of approach of trying to drive away tourists. And obviously we see it in the UK press every January. We we have a joke of like every January we see the same story. You can't go to Amsterdam anymore and you can't go buy weed. And it's just the same kind of scaremongery bullcrap. Um, but then a load of travel companies kind of go, well, wait a minute, we make loads of money off, you know, stoners going for three days over to Amsterdam. We'll put some stories in and there's just this back and forth. Um, but it's also then it's a, it's another mayor in Barcelona city that seems to have basically come out and gone, we want to eradicate the cannabis social clubs. Whereas at least the, the Amsterdam mayor has kind of just been, no, no, we want to get rid of the tourists and allowing the, the understanding that, it's yeah. a bit nationalistic, but allowing your own people to do it. Have, the Dutch mayor doesn't have like a lot of support in the city council for her cannabis plan. Good to know. So don't we don't expect any crazy stuff. She gets a little win here and there just to keep her happy, but it's not that the, the big plans come through. Um, obviously, there's a, a big lobby making sure that the cannabis uh uh industry is um is uh is represented for as much as possible in 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 the city council as well you know mm-hmm. and uh yeah in terms of barcelona that's 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 pretty scary i mean uh i don't know what to expect this march when we go over there you know last year b- before we wanted to go they closed down cookies that was that was already like pretty weird, and uh, we were all waiting for it to reopen again, and it never did, you know. And yeah, uh, yeah I'm now looking uh, looking a little bit anxiously towards towards March. March, I, I'm I hope we're not gonna be arrested anywhere or whatever, you know. I mean, mm-hmm. they know what's gonna be happening. I'm 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 scared. I'm going to take my medical jar with me and I'm going to make sure that I'm going to keep my weed in there so that, you know, there's never an issue that it's been bought in the, in the club or whatever. When I walk out of there, it's in a medical thingy. And I just hope that, uh, that yeah, I'm not, uh, I'm not going to be arrested. That would be, that yeah. would be fucked up. It's, 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 it's mental. I mean, uh, some light, I suppose, I can shed on this for yourself, and myself, and yourself, and anyone else that's listening that may be going to Spanabis. Um, this shouldn't be construed in any which way as legal advice, as always. Um, but from my understanding, reading and have speaking with uh, people that run coffee shops, I've previously run coffee shops. Basically, it's a civil offence for small level possession. So unless you're walking the street with a, quite a vast amount or evidence that you're dealing or they've seen you dealing on the street, it doesn't matter if you bought and it's in different bags, that's evidence that you've the coffee shop, uh, sorry, the club activity, as it were. Um, it's 600 quid, basically, for cannabis concentrates. For some reason, including hash, 
can be up to 1200 euros of a fine um they they can't and again, <laughs> under spanish law they are not allowed to search in your underwear do with that information what you want they cannot perform a, a, a strip search stop and search on into your underwear um so again do with that what you will if you are a prescription holder from the uk we obviously i don't know how it is under dutch system uh, you will have to contact your clinic they will advise you to contact the i can't remember if it's consulate or embassy whichever one it is and you have to get like a back and forth and you're supposed to get a letter that letter means that that plus your uh, prescription means you can travel freely in spain um be mindful though as i have I've had an interaction with spanish police where they don't speak english and i don't speak spanish and it was fucking awkward as hell luckily i didn't have any marijuana on me at the time and the money i had in my wallet they couldn't bribe from me which they looked so eagerly wanting <laughs> um that was actually the first few days into spanibus i think 2018 2019 uh it was a fun interaction uh but yeah basically, basically if, if, yeah, if you have uh, a prescription pot in somewhere from from your territory where it is legal that will give you some form of discretion but other which wise uh, like i said they can't look in your underwear do with that what you will uh generally most of them can again this is not life advice per se a small amount of euros may make a spanish cop go away because ultimately he'll have to deal with you and if you don't speak he doesn't speak uh english and you don't speak spanish he'll have to get a translator you have to get somebody else so I'm not saying carry extra money. I'm just saying be extra mindful. <laughs> that's all. That's all I'm saying. Um, cash is king. Cash is king. Cash is king. Still, hundred percent, hundred percent. But yeah, I'm equally a little bit apprehensive. I think it's the Catalonian region are obviously at odds with Spain as a large government have been for quite a while. Uh, but it is interestingly the Barcelona uh, City Council that are currently being the issue. So that's the first time it's kind of attacking itself. But it was the Spanish. Supreme Court, the larger territory that took away the Barcelona protection for the clubs to exist. That was done, like I said, 2021. So for two years, it's kind of been on a discretion that um, they're now private premises. So it used to be before they had a municipal license that meant that there were cannabis clubs specifically. They took that away because the Supreme Court took it away. So all the clubs went, oh, no, 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 no. We're not cannabis clubs. We're private spaces. Oh, these guys smoke weed. Oh, yeah. Okay, cool. Um, do, do you know what I mean? So they're now going to come in and they've said initially it's going to be 20 investigation or 20 sites. I can't remember what the word was that I saw that was translated. 20, I'm assuming, clubs, sites, spaces that will be inspected. And I think, again, speculation here, that what they're going to do is use that interpretation of the rule to go, oh, my God, there's weed here. Do you know what I mean? And I think that they might try and do that. And if they can hit four or five of them, it might scare many more into closing down. Um, I will obviously try and get uh, a guest from uh, more informed in the Spanish club system on, and we'll we'll discuss that further. But yeah, I think they'll be smart. I can probably I can probably put you in touch with a very kind uh, uh, social club owner in Barcelona who would love to talk on the matter. I think I would appreciate that. I would appreciate that. I'll make a note uh, to uh, get that off here. Um, yeah, because. I think, again, the amount of money that they generate in that region, I think the article I was reading in Forbes, of all places, said that the clubs stimulate somewhere between 6 to 12 million tourists of travel to Barcelona, uh, in addition to the, the rest of it, which is quite phenomenal, because they claim that the clubs only serve 4, 4 million, sorry, 4 million uh, members. So basically, the tourists attract more than the members have. 
Uh, obviously, the date is skewed because of people like myself that go over and have to re-sign up to a club every 12 months because I'm not there to keep a membership going. Um, yeah. But generally, there, there does seem to be good arguments for economic activity and sort of proliferal economic stimulation. So I think they're going to struggle to truly eradicate them. I think what they're basically going to end up doing is kind of what the Dutch are doing and hopefully have a progressive approach of what is it, what does it actually do, what can we do with it, and what should the future look like, you know? What we're seeing is that uh, Spain wants to move on medical as well, you know, mm -hmm. and if they're going to want to move on medical in the same way that the UK is doing it, then a lot of those social clubs house the patients or clients, customers that they want. 100%. And it's, it's, it's a backwards thing a bit. Again, we know that that social interaction, like I, I often speak of the the culture saving me. It was, as you say before, being accepted by like-minded people, going from being the villain and the bad guy to everybody and finding a space where there is others that you don't have to share the same politics or the same experiences necessarily um, outside of cannabis. But from that, you can resonate and really connect with them. And from that, you know, heal from the harm of prohibition that's inflicted on the people. Yeah. It's a beautiful thing, this social spaces. So long may they fucking continue. Um, I got one final question, if that's all right, uh, about sort of policy, uh, which was obviously you've been, as you say, experienced on both sides, as it were. I don't like there being sides. I don't even necessarily like the words medical or rec, but they serve as a way to speak of these kind of uh, manifestations of the industry. Um, the United States recently, it seems to be gaining a lot of traction. It started as a simple letter between Health and Human Services and the government, the DEA, have then stepped in and they're arguing over who has the right or the procedural capacity to reschedule cannabis in America. And I just wanted to get your thoughts on the idea of them, as has been suggested, making it Schedule 3, technically meaning that federally across everywhere in the US, although barring states' rights and whichever amendment number I can't remember off the top of my head, um, you would need a prescription to access cannabis across the board. Uh, what, what's your, sort of, your thoughts on that? Um, kind, kind of double because it's good in a way if it's more available to people. So then if the availability means that you need to register in some some sort and then might be restricted in some sort in another compartment area of your life because they can see everything you know uh that's that's the scary part you know that's mm -hmm. i mean i think that for most people cannabis use is is therapeutical or medical or whatever, you know? Um, so moving towards a more accepted system of, you know, the vulnerability that cannabis can heal in a lot of people and bring people together um, through that vulnerability because it's a very, um, how do you call it? cannabis disarms you know mm. like mm -hmm. in a way you know what i mean it's yeah, yeah. it's not a it's not a a drug to be like 
the bigger man on, you know, mm-hmm. in, in, in a head to head. It's like you sit down, have a pizza and a great talk about life, you know. You can't smoke a joint and hate on, on you know. I mean, most people become brothers after after sharing the cannabis, you know. It, it's so having that like acknowledgement in a way, like as it being a healing substance, is nice, you know. Mm-hmm. But meaning that also like. Everybody needs to go through a through a whole thing to get access to it. That that makes it hard, you know. Mm. Yeah, well, I think it, it creates then anywhere we put in a restriction, or I think actually my science is down there. Yeah, any limitation applied to the individual is a continuation of cannabis prohibition, and so you can limit the systems above it. So I think of like say food. I could go right now and eat twenty pizzas. I could eat 20 pizzas every day to my life until I literally clog my arteries and die. I could go to the nearest shop, yeah. buy all the whiskey I wanted and drink myself to death this evening. The, those There aren't these limitations. Same with the car. I can get in my car and go as fast as my car will go, 150 or whatever, and can crash said vehicle. It's, it's within, I am allowed the autonomy to choose that. And I just want that lack of limit applied in the same way with cannabis, obviously twinned with education yeah. and awareness. Um but I, I agree. I want there to be that kind of therapeutic acceptance, this understanding that cannabis should be a frontline defense, not a last ditch, ditch effort. You know, I've, I've had a mother with a, a child with epilepsy on who spoke of the NHS in this country wanting to give a child brain surgery and drill 20 odd holes in the kid's head rather than just try fucking uh, cannabis oil. And it just it's a, a mental way. So I want that acknowledgement twinned with, as you say, the, the freedom of the individual to cultivate their own relationship with cannabis because it will be different and it's different under clinical settings you getting given cannabis in a white room with you know a guy with a clipboard and whatever else compared to sitting with your friends and really connecting and spending that time together it's a completely different experience and this leads to different outcomes so i think yeah i hope the conversation in America leads to descheduling and they can, you know, schedule three, all of the, the pharmaceutical products, things like Epidiolex, Sativex, um, these kind of designed manufactured drugs, as it were, that are based on cannabis. Um, but cannabis itself, the fact is, you and I know from a, a tiny seed, you know, we can grow a million plants, you know, theoretically through cloning, etc. It's a self-sustaining resource. And once people are able to, sustain themselves with these resources everything then becomes kind of a shared excess and i can't help but feel that that intention of cannabis in its culture is antithetical like the opposite to this kind of legalization model so they're going to try and legalize everywhere and it's not going to work the way they want and our culture is just going to build and eventually we'll take over those industries and we'll we'll win those battles step by step for you sure. know for sure mm-hmm. um I am uh, aware of time here and I'm grateful for how much you've given me already. I was just going to ask you my cliched last question, uh, if that's all right, and then I'll let you uh, get off to your very busy day, sir. Thank you. Where are we? My last question. I look for this. Um, What does the future hold for you? A lot of nice things. Yeah, a lot of... uh... 
nice adventures. I'm, uh, you know, this. I've had some hardship in my private life uh, over the last years. You know, within my family, I have a beautiful daughter, and uh, it was very hard her first years. And and now that now that everything's back on track and and she's happy and healthy, uh, I've I've just decided that we're gonna do everything we can to have a beautiful life. And now with the coffee shop, that's that's one of the things that's gonna help do that for for us all, and and that's gonna. Um, make me able to invest more in the high cloud invest more in in my my personal uh life in in, in different things in different aspects of, of of life uh life's quality and, and and that's gonna you know hopefully bring out more more good things in all in all ways i want to build more on the high cloud build more within the concepts of the coffee shop what we want to do so um, yeah, leave leave something for my for my daughter. You know, I'm 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 doing it all for her now. So uh, so yeah, bro. Yeah, that's awesome. That's uh, the kind of positivity I love to end this podcast on. So Perfect. yeah, man, appreciate your time. Uh, look forward to catching up for a smoke either at Spanabis or hopefully the One Percent Club sometime, brother. Um, I'll include links to podcast and everything down below. And yeah, just want to, again, thank you for your time. Thank you for your work. And uh, yeah, look forward to catching up soon, brother. I appreciate your uh, invitation, brother, and, uh, and the fact that you let me uh, ramble on here for uh, as long as I could on uh, what we love most. And uh, I hope a lot of people are listening um, were inspired by this and are inspired by your content. You're doing a great job. Thank you so much again for the invitation. Looking forward to seeing you in Spanabis, on Spanabis, and here. Yeah, man, hundred percent. All right, cheers, brother. 100%. Much appreciated. <laughs> Later. All right, take it easy, man. Peace and love. Bye. Well, there you go, folks. That was Uncle Kush. Um, yeah, really enjoyed that. Really, uh, feel quite optimistic, quite positive, quite uh, maybe slightly hyper or over caffeinated. I haven't figured out. Although I've gone through all my coffee, so maybe a combination of both. Uh, but yeah, I do feel quite a bit op more optimistic uh, about the Dutch cannabis scene and the future of the coffee shops than I did before I started that recording. So yeah, feel good, feel good. Yeah, I'm a bit concerned about Barcelona. I think generally uh, there's quite a few of us are getting a bit concerned about what's going on. There are general rumblings. Um, there's obviously some media articles, which I'll include below for you guys to keep an eye on what's sort of happening or rather be as informed as I guess myself is at this instance right now. Well, from the media's point of view anyway, at least. Um, there is some sort of official announcements that have been made, uh, some quotes from uh, Mayor and Deputy Mayor that I think are quite insightful in terms of their intentions. Like I said, and I think it was abolished. I can't remember which word was used. Um, whichever word was used, it was basically get rid of the coffee shop, uh, the cannabis social clubs in Barcelona. So that uh, does to me seem <laughs> at least tacitly a declaration of war. Um, but we'll see how that pans out uh, in a few weeks when we are out over in Barcelona. Um, so yeah, I'll keep you guys informed of that as and when we go. Obviously, like I said, I'll try and reach out to a guest. I think Uncle Kush, today's guest, had... A suggestion which we will um have a conversation about see uh who they are and uh yeah try and get them onto the podcast so we can learn a bit more about what's happening from somebody on the inside always best to be as informed as possible um yeah i'm not gonna waffle shit for much longer folks i am just gonna thank you for your time as always uh i am gonna apologize 
for the audio level quality and that I am going to try and fix this shortly. So you fix this in fucking uh, editing shortly. Um, I don't know, maybe remove this of me telling you to fix it. I don't know, leave it in. I don't care. Um, <laughs> if you enjoyed this podcast, uh, please do give us a thumbs up, a rating, a like, a subscribe, a share, uh, whatever it is that you find folk do to show your appreciation. Uh, if you enjoyed it, like I said, you can give us a thumbs down if you didn't enjoy it. You know, I appreciate the honest feedback in either way. Uh, that being true with ratings as well, I am trying to, um, you know, provide the best quality. I don't want to say product because I'm not really selling you anything. I don't try and sell you anything. I'm trying to um come to a get a greater understanding about topics of interest hence the simple life so i like to share that every week with you fine folks so uh yeah if you've enjoyed it do do show your appreciation all right uh check us out on all social media platforms i say all the majority of social media platforms i am looking at some other ones right now as well so you may see me popping up in places you haven't prior um at the simple life check out the simple life.com for more details exclusive articles content and blogs with more stuff coming soon uh, yeah, you've been beautiful. Thank you for your time, folks. Uh, we will see you next week with somebody. I don't know. It'll be awesome. You'll love it. It'll be great. All right. Peace and love, folks. Be awesome to each other. Oh, I accidentally got too high. In that second joint, but Jesus Christ, I am baked. Oh, Hot boxing here is not helping either. <laughs> and outro, outro. So I'm going to drink some water. That's probably going to solve my problem.